On this week's The Koi Gig Podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's Ona Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig Podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. This is News Talk. I'm prepared to end it I can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? It is Thursday's football show, Nathan with you this evening, a little bit later in the hour we're going to be joined by Rafa Honigstein to talk about the finale of the Bundesliga season a win for Borussia Dortmund over Mainz on the final day and Dortmund will be champions for the first time since Jurgen Klopp was manager 11 years ago, uh, but they have to get that victory, any slip up and that could let Bayern Munich in to make it 11 in a row uh, for Bayern Munich have been pretty much in disarray all season, so we'll chat to Rafa Honigstein about that and of course about Jude Bellingham's future as well Right now, Manchester United are closing in on a place in the Champions League. They lead Chelsea by two goals to nil at halftime. At Casemiro, very central to everything good about Manchester United in that first half. He headed them in front early on from a Christian Eriksen free kick and then he played a beautiful little pass through uh, to Anthony Martial as he scored a second in first half injury time. So United, remember, just need a point from their last two games and well on course to get all three against a utterly shambolic Chelsea who've missed a couple of very good chances at Old Trafford so half time there second half just about to get underway we will have full live coverage on Sunday of the finale of the Premier League season as well we'll have live commentary of one of the big games we'll uh, let you know what that is tomorrow once we see what is at stake at the top and at the bottom but I can tell you we'll certainly be keeping a very close eye on what goes on at Elland Road between Leeds United and Tottenham Leeds simply must win that game and hope that the results in the Everton and Leicester game go in their favour if they are to stay in the Premier League. Adam Pope of The Athletic is with us. Good evening, Adam. Uh, hi there, Nathan. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for uh, From BBC, I've given you, I was going to say, have you given you a promotion or a demotion? Uh, you can, hey, you can answer that one. That would be one mega pay rise if it was. <laughs> You're the only yeah. journalist in Britain left not working for The Athletic. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to show you all. I wasn't sure if the, oh, was for uh, being accused of working for The Athletic or oh, Leeds United final day of the season. How, <laughs> how have you found yourself in this position? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, the big question, why, why is it like this? Let's rewind a year, Nathan. Mm. Andrea Radrizzani, the uh, the majority share of the chairman, said this would be impossible. No more heart attack risks, he said. Um, we'd finish 10th to 14th, I think it was. He predicted this just wouldn't happen. And uh, it has happened because they haven't evolved. Uh, they haven't recruited well enough and the quality hasn't been there and they've had four managers effectively if you include Scubala as the uh, interim so add all that together um, a club that's taken its eye right off the ball Nathan clearly and that's why they're now favourites of the three in the mix to go down uh, they sold arguably their two best players during the summer in Calvin Phillips and Rafinha they've had a lot of injuries particularly to Patrick Bamford who even when he's fit just hasn't looked the player that he was of 18 months ago Rodrigo who they managed to get the very best of out of at the start of the season has had injuries and big dips in form as well Tyler Adams has been out in recent weeks uh, I would have been putting a lot of this down to maybe just some pure bad luck that Leeds have found himself in this position what you're talking about there is actually more structurally an issue in the way the club has been run over the last year 
Yeah, I think when you look at, let's take the injuries, I think you, you do raise a decent point there, Nathan. And don't forget the two main players you talked about there. Bamford, Hamstring, very, very unlikely to make it this weekend. Rodrigo with a foot injury, we think he's going to be touch and go. But the way Sam Allardyce was talking, that he felt he had no alternatives. Um, the injuries have been a problem all the way through even the BLC era, and they, they, they really have struggled with them with a relatively small squad compared to most. Um, however, I just think that it's far bigger than that because that that hasn't shared. They probably had three or four injuries at a time. You know, Dallas, you've got to throw in that he's been out all season as well. Sinistera's been missing. Forshaw's not really been fit, although he's coming back. So they have had their toll, but maybe no more than anybody else. But... I think that one of the key things, or two key things for me, when it was a clear it wasn't going right with Jesse Marsh, Nathan, they should have binned him in October after the defeat to Fulham. But he had an amazing win at Anfield, beat Bournemouth then after that, but then lost two games part of the World Cup. Then you're thinking, are they going to bin him then? No, they didn't. And they left it too long. The second big thing in the in the immediate term, I'd say, was like signing Jorginho Ruta. Um, nothing against the player, but they needed somebody that could dig them out of a hole in a January transfer window that was oven ready for the Premier League. And, and he clearly isn't. So what's at stake on Sunday for Leeds United? Because this is not 20 years ago when uh, you know Leeds were in absolute financial turmoil where they were about to enter decades of, uh, of uh, off-the-pitch turmoil. If the worst comes to the worst on Sunday and they end up going down, what does the summer look like? What does the immediate future for Leeds look like? Well, that's really interesting because uh, although they have announced a pre-season friendly against Manchester United in Oslo, uh, but that's sort of a bit of a distraction this week because the big thing is, do the San Francisco 49ers enterprises take over a majority share? If they do, if Leeds somehow do stay in the Premier League and there's still a possibility that could happen, then you're looking at a sale of between 400 to 500 million pounds to Andrea Radrizzani and then he will go on his way. You would have thought, or certainly take a very small sort of stake in the club. But then if they go down, the suggestion is the value of the club is about 180 million. So what do the 49ers do then? Do they keep it as it is, where they are 44% holders of the club and and they have a 22% holder in the ground? And do they sort of make a deal with Rajasani for, say, for him to go, but then they offer him something down the line, you know, if they get promoted within a certain time? This is this is speculation. We don't know. Mm. I don't think they're going away, Nathan. I really don't think they're going away. That That's that's the point I'm probably trying to make. But it, it means that things like expanding the ground to the, you know, to the 60,000 they want, that is going to be on hold if they go down at the championship. They will lose players. There's no doubt they will sell players. Uh, although, I have to say, uh, financially, I think they're in a far better position, as you've alluded to, than they were in 2004 when they last went down from the Premier League because these players' contracts you know, will be going down by 50 60% as agreed. So I think they've been managed a lot better in that sense. So I don't fear an implosion financially in the same way that I would say at Everton. And there is a good level of quality young players there as well, it feels like, that, that might be able to flourish for a championship season. Well, interestingly, Darko JB has just scored the third goal for England under-20s against um, Uruguay and Argentina. I really like him, and I think you know he's coming from Manchester City. Uh, I think he's one player to look out for, certainly. Charlie Cresswell has had a, a, you know, a year's loan at Millwall. He'll come back. Jamie Shackleton, who you know, who's proved himself certainly in the championship. It's not been a great season for him on loan, but you've got players like that that might come back into the mix. Joe Gellhart, Sunderland, who's had Premier League experience with Leeds already. Uh, they would keep some players, 
But I think one, one of my issues is, although I'm delighted to see the under-21s promoted at the first attempt back up to the top division in Premier League 2, um, is that have many players been coached to betterment in the time since Marcelo Bielsa's left, Nathan? And that's a real worry for me. So I'm hoping that some of these youngsters will sort of you know, manifest in terms of their you know, ability to play in the championship or, you know, if lucky, it's still in the Premier League. So there is still a good crop there. There's still some good stuff at the academy, but I think at a senior level, the opportunity to bring these players on is being reduced because the circumstances lead to found them in. And plus... Let's let's face it, Nathan. The plan that they had to evolve the club is, was 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 faulty from the off, and it just didn't work. And I'm afraid a bit of arrogance has meant they've continued with them, and it means that development of players has suffered as well along the way. Well, that would be the concern, I guess, if they do go down. That that arrogance at boardroom level, the maybe lack of footballing now, where for the last nine months they've just been throwing dirt at the wall and hoping that something would stick and that somehow they would survive. That the nature of their appointments the lack of consistency in the type of managers that they have gone after particularly since Jesse Marsh left that would that concern you as you head into a summer of needing to know the type of manager who gets you promoted from the championship that they may not make the right appointment yeah, and it depends who's left there. Do If the 49ers do come in, Nathan, do they leave the existing infrastructure there, which at the moment is probably minus a manager because we can't say that Sam Elias is going to be there beyond the summer, although he's hinted that he, he might do if the circumstances were right, if whoever is in charge wants them. There's no director of football as well to, if you like, go and select a, a, a new head coach at this point. Um, so what are they looking at? You know, Are you looking at a Graham Potter or you know Rodgers, who's now been linked obviously heavily with Spurs? Um, it'd be very interesting to see what they go at, but they need a new philosophy. I, just, I did a piece this week, Nathan, and you know, I thought people talk about this buzzword of reset, don't they? And they, and they sort of attach it to Nottingham Forest, even though they've survived, that they're going to reset this summer and everybody's going to have a reset and we're going to hit the reset button. That sounds like you're going back to something that's already existing. Leeds need to change it. You know, or do you go back five years to the sort of pre-BLC era and, and make another big appointment like that? Um, it needs a restructure. And I think the 49ers are prepared to do that. But will they be able to identify the right footballing people, including their director of football? We'll have to wait and see. Um, and that is the big question for me, because the infrastructure isn't there at the moment to make the correct decisions that they need, regardless of which division they're in. Sam Allardyce was saying that those Pep Guardiola comments, he was trying to you know, take attention away from the players and bring it on to himself. I'd imagine... It's a pretty suffocating world those players are living in over the last few weeks, being a Leeds United pressure, the joy of being back in the Premier League for the past two seasons. The atmosphere at Elland Road on Sunday, what do you expect it to be like? This is, you know what, this is a great question, Nathan, because we've been asking this of people and speak to loads of fans this week thinking, how do you think it's going to be? And lots of fans are resigned to relegation. But obviously, while there's a chance, people still go with a bit of hope. And there's, there's this line being drawn between apathy and then get into nastiness and we can see both inside Ellen Road so I think that will be dependent on how the game starts against Spurs if they go behind to an early you know Kane goal or whatever and all the other results are going against them then there'll be a bit of apathy and then it will turn a bit nasty I think and a bit a bit toxic because um, there'll be you know blame will be needed to be apportioned but there is a feeling I have to say there is a feeling of sort of like you know this is a done deal that Leeds are going to go down. And, and the resignation is far bigger than it felt last year when they went into the, the final game of the season. Yes, needing a favour from Newcastle, 
but they did it on their own terms. This mm. time they needed sort of two big favours and they have to beat Spurs um, themselves, which you put all those things in the mix and you just don't see it. So whether people will walk out as they have done lately and just say, ah, put it all in the bin and set it on fire, I don't know. Or whether it'll just turn really toxic, we'll have to wait and see. But whatever happens, Nathan, what this board can't do there may be relief and celebrate relief if they somehow pull off a football miracle, but they can't celebrate and think that this is success because, like for the you know by their own measures, they've, they've fallen short. They're nowhere near fourteenth, never mind tenth, and they haven't evolved. And they're not going to ch- and they're not challenging for anything like middle of the Premier League, let alone Europe, which is the hope of Andrezani before he leaves. Yeah, and I think as you said, the clubs above them who have just survived are all planning a reset. Nottingham Forest aren't looking at this season as a massive success. In fact, you know I know they've been celebrating Steve Cooper. You wouldn't be at all surprised if, as the summer goes on, if they start thinking a more attractive style of football might just suit. Uh, Nottingham Forest so uh, those clubs are going to spend big again Uh, Sam Allardyce talk about his future but what he's been able to do over the last two or three weeks I see he's bringing the players to train at Elland Road uh, this this week ahead of the game like what what are the stories we're going to hear in a week's time of Sam's genius that he's somehow been able to inspire these players Ah, well if it goes their way on Sunday obviously obviously you will but I think the, I think the first thing with Sam is that look we can all pigeonhole the type of football he's played and the type of manager that he is and I think that's incorrect to, to a large extent what I do think has happened he's pulled in Carl Robinson with him who's Carl's known for you know working um, with sports psychotherapists and they've probably tried to get in and amongst the players get Robbie Keane in there G everybody up and work on the mental side what I do think is that Sam's probably realised just what a desperate job he's got on his hands. And when he's real, he's alluded to this with the recruitment and also the energy levels, which were confirmed by Luke Ayling the other day. I don't know if you saw it on, on Match of the Day, Nathan, but he basically said, we, we can't go again in a second half. The fitness levels have gone. And that's happened not over a few weeks, but over a reasonable period of time, i.e. a year. And would that and have been known? Would, would there have been, been rumours around about Jesse Marsh's time in charge that standards had been allowed slip? I don't I don't think I didn't hear too much about standards slipping I think people began bamboozled by what they were being asked to do and, and losing faith in, in, in the style of play but I think the intensity of which he tried to play it at even if it was you know a failed plan I think it still kept levels up to a reasonable degree I do feel though from things that I do hear that maybe a bit of discipline has gone and there's been suddenly a few little rifts have developed um, between some players in, in more recent weeks I'm not saying completely damaging it doesn't explain everything but I certainly feel that performances has, has certainly led to fingers being pointed that little bit more in, in recent weeks so I wouldn't say there'd been a massive drop off under, under Jesse Marsh's time, but certainly they're not anywhere they were at Bielsa levels. I know that. I know Mateus Click was saying that just before he left. You know, he said yes, they needed a rest, but um, they needed. You know, I think they were prepared if they could get back up to those levels, they, they would all go again. So big Sammy in that sense, you know, he wanted to sort out. The, the, the defence that's not really happened has it we've got a 2-2 two, a two and, a, and, a, and a, a third goal against West Ham Nathan Flamenek um, he must have been embarrassed by that because that's 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 anti-Big Sam isn't it uh, so that hasn't worked yes they can still score goals to an extent but he's got a problem this weekend so what can he work on this week who, who is he working with this week that's the big question yeah, I, I, he he hasn't been there long enough, I'm sure, to have a, a massive emotional connection with the club. Um, and 
but I'm sure you'll get a sense very quickly at Elland Road as to what this all means for those Leeds United supporters it does sound as though he's just going to have to pull a rabbit from the hat somewhere and it's more blind faith and a little bit of luck than any great master plan that he can go with on Sunday yeah, I, I think so. I think we're at that point. I think uh, it's just going to it's going to be a combination of crowd, isn't it? Desire, all that sort of stuff, and you know, people doing it for the badge and all that. You've got to throw all that into the mix. But fundamentally, the quality hasn't been there. To, you know, in the thirty-seven games we've seen so far, to suggest that they should stay in, in the in the Premier League. The amount of goals they've conceded again. You know, what we're up to seventy-four. I think it is now, isn't it? Uh, you can see what the problems are. My biggest fear is, is for them has been constantly, and regardless of which head coach has been, is the midfield. I just don't think they've had any sort of midfield to knit things together at all this season. Right. And Weston McKennie's been a huge disappointment in, in, in that sense. And What about Tyler you know, Adams? Because there was that period been, where people felt he was maybe able to step up to the mark. Yeah, Tyler Adams. Yeah, he's been a big blow. There's no doubt about it. But around him, there's been very little, you know, to suggest that they had a midfield that could dominate games at all. And when they did manage to get on top of games, what's it? Twenty five points they chucked away now. And the amount of, we work with a lot of different ex players, Nathan, as well on the matches. You know, whether it be Sean Derry, Matt Kilgallen, um, Simon Walton, you know, Neil Redfern, ex manager, they all work with us, and it's amazing what they pick out on match day, where they see things going wrong. And the, I said the common thread for me has been the lack of energy in midfield and the amount of space that they've afforded teams um, at times. And that I'd say that's been the constant thread for me this year. And that's just allowed the defence, which eventually was going to be breached, to be breached far too often and lose confidence. And I guess part of the problem as well has been that lack of a constant thread of selection because of injuries because of the changes of manager when you think back to the Bielsa side and he was playing that sort of 4-1-4-1 formation and you knew you'd have ailing and Eliofsky and you know Stuart Dallas was playing a level of football that probably nobody not even Stuart Dallas thought he was capable of in the Premier League and Calvin Phillips is holding it all together you sort of knew what you were going to get now it didn't always get the results they wanted but they could play the exact same way and as they did I think on occasion win 5-0 in one game and lose 5-0 in the next game but there was a certainty as to what they were about that they're a world away from right now yeah there is it, it, like on the pitch you know you will hear people because it wasn't that long ago you know, it's not like we're harking back through you know a time it feels like a long time ago mm. but it wasn't you know people they often look back and think oh yeah that was great wasn't it and then forget really that it wasn't that great this was brilliant under Bielsa and we were very fortunate to live through it and yeah you're right you could go to West Brom and spank Sam Allardyce's West Brom at the time five by five goals but you could go Man City and lose by seven and uh, but they'd keep playing and for the most part I know it got raggedy at the end it did and I wasn't one for second BL so I have to say I thought they should keep to the end of the season however fans do feel and they say this a lot they like the way they play they were prepared to back it even when they were, they were suffering heavy losses they appreciate the football and the success being promotion and what have you and a good good first year in the Premier League that they were prepared to suffer all that because they love what they're doing because they love the players and they love the club and it was all connected look they'll always love the club but right now they don't love a lot of the players Nathan uh, I feel like I don't even need to ask you the question you sound like a man who senses the writing is on the wall on Sunday yeah, I just think the combination of the results is is going to be too much. I mean, I think the big one is if even if Everton were to draw and Leicester were to lose, then you know Leeds have got to beat Spurs by three clear goals, something like that. However, they're all at home. We've seen Everton go up Brighton and win five one. Why can't Leeds go and beat Spurs? You know, by a decent margin. 
And Leicester, yes, they're buoyed by that. You know, I mean, they should have been battered. Let's let's face it, at Newcastle, but they'd be buoyed by a point, which if they do it in the end, would be a masterstroke from Dean Smith. But at the end, I think the other two have got obviously Everton have got the, the, in their own hands with a win. But I just feel that. From the performances we've seen so far, it's hard to see how they even do the first bit, which is beating Spurs, never mind the other bits falling into place at this stage. If they can do that bit, then at least they're going to give the fans something. But right now, it's re- in all objectivity, Nathan, it's really hard to see how they're going to do that bit. Yeah. Uh, I guess you're going to have to start doing a bit of research on Sheffield United for next season. <laughs> do you know, like I've been, I've been at the... <laughs> yeah, I'll have, uh, I'm just seeing... Do you know what I'm seeking next year? If they do go down... If they do go down. I've um, I've been at Millwall that many flaming times. I think when I started doing Leeds in 2005, it was my first game. And it's like the club you can never get away from. So I've got all that. We've got Plymouth away, no doubt, on a Tuesday night as well. So um, in many ways, praying for a massive miracle to see if this can continue. But um, the odds are heavily stacked, aren't they? But look, at the end of the day, privileged position, Nathan. Love doing it. I wouldn't have kept doing it for this long if I didn't enjoy it. And I know there's millions of people that would love to do what we do. Um, So I'm privileged, whether it's Plymouth on a Tuesday night or whether we're back (laughs) at Manchester City, the Etihad scoring with 10 men and winning the game. We'll see. It's never not interesting, that's for sure. Oh, it'll be a mad summer. Mad summer. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, the Athletic is... as well. Yeah, exactly. The big transfer that we're all now looking forward to. I've started the rumour mill. <laughs> you can thank me later. Adam, great stuff. Uh, listen, uh, we'll check in with you again over the next couple of weeks and uh, let's see where Leeds United are. But uh, enjoy Sunday. Kind of, I think we all hope, if nothing else, it's sort of a, a manic final day of the season, one of those great ones, and we get a bit of drama. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of it at Elland Road. Pleasure speaking to you, Nathan.